Robin Phoenix Johnson. Good morning. <laughs> You're so late. I'm on my second cup of coffee and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like such an old lady. I just don't do well when I'm up late anymore. I'm an early to bed, early to rise person. So if I'm up past midnight, that is a big deal. Like I don't even stay up for New Year's anymore. That's how old I am. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. New Year's, uh, I'm going to go to bed. When I wake up, it'll be a new year. I'm good to go with that. Yep. Yep. That is exactly right. How was your show last night? Comedians were funny. I mean, I had a new a new comedian, local comedian, Charleston Ryan Quinn. He's, he's really funny. Pia Helen's daughter, Kevin Williams, Alex Scott was my headline. I mean, they all did great. It's hard on a Monday night to get people to come out to comedy. It was fun. Like, we had, we had about half tourists and half locals. Um, really nice crowding. Very, you never know. Like the night after Will Smith slaps the crap out of Chris Rock, you're like, what's going to happen? Am I going to get slapped or make yeah. it one of the <laughs> people in the audience? Um, so yeah. You could be, you could be slapping the other one now. Don't be Will Smith. No, I think that was so horrible. I mean, I mean, granted, you know, Chris Rock did call his wife a Navy Lieutenant, which I would be offended to. There's no, there's no, room for that anywhere the fact that he did that and so un- unapologetically and just i mean this whole like i'm defending my wife no shut up there's never a point i mean it's not like if he was groping her or physically touching her or something that's one thing but he's a comedian right. he's literally supposed to do jokes and making fun of people is what we get paid to do so yeah, uh, yeah I, thought, I thought it was very poor taste and i was super disappointed because up until that point, I thought highly of Will Smith, and then my entire like perception of him and was just shattered. Just I was so disappointed. And oh my gosh, I thought, I, thought I was the only one. I feel the same no. way. No, I mean I grew up watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I grew up, you know, watching all his movies. I, mean, I loved him in Hitch. I loved him in Men in Black. I mean, and Sam. I mean, he's a very talented actor, but. He's obviously got too big for his britches. And to feel that entitled, that you can just go up and strike enough. I mean, he could have handled it so much better. You just say, like, hey, man, that's not cool, or, you know, shut the heck up, or whatever. But for him to go slap and just go off like that, like, it literally looked like he was having a mental breakdown. And just so unprofessional. And anyway, yeah. Robin Phoenix Johnson. Welcome. Welcome. You've been to so many of my shows, you know my punchlines. That's great. <laughs> you know what? Um, it's often depressing because we don't really make that much money in comedy unless you're mm. famous. So, yeah. Mm. So. So you worked at the Pentagon with uh, General Dempsey when he was the uh, 18th chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. What was that like? I remember him being in that position, but I had never worked directly for him. So all I knew of him was him being a great leader, but I didn't work with him personally or directly. Um, he seems like a great guy. What What was that like? Yeah, he, he really is. And, and such a good, like, 
dad and papa like he just he really loves his family he makes them a priority which inspired me because when I worked um, for him I had such a young family my kids were so little and it really put into perspective I mean I, honestly working for him really was what I knew I was going to get out of the army like pretty soon I knew then I was kind of done because I wasn't spending time with my kids I was always gone I was always putting the army first and I realized that I didn't want to do that. So at that point, where were you in your career? Like how long had you been in the army? Mm, 15 years, 16 years, 15 or 16 years, 15 years, okay. yeah, 15 years. But if I had five more to go. As soon as that five was up, I was up. So I, I, I wouldn't have, I mean, they, the battalion command is such a privilege, but honestly, like I, looking back at it now, I kind of did it because that's what you were expected to do. Like you were expected to go and command, and I thought that's what I wanted. But then when I did it, you know, I deployed right away, and I came home, and then my husband deployed, and I really missed a lot of my kids, um, yeah. a lot with them during those years. And if I could do it all over again, I would have just, I would have taken like staff jobs and just kind of wrote out my time because it wasn't serving the army to the, to the best because I was so distracted with my family needs. Um, and I wasn't serving my family to my best either. So, yeah. yeah. But lesson learned. Well, speaking of family, were you already married when you entered into the military or did you guys meet while you were in the army? We met in the army. We met, um, it was, he was coming from flight school and I was reporting to Fort Campbell from Korea. We met in processing, actually. So he was a pilot, or not really? No, he is. Yeah, well, I mean, oh. he's retired now. Did, did he retire the same time you did about? No, he retired a year later. So I retired in 2020. He retired in August of um, 2021. So, I'm at so it months. hadn't even been a year well, yet. No, a year. It, he, he retired 13 months after. Well. My official retirement was 1 July 2020. He retired August 2021. Oh, you mean a year from like when he retired? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, he just retired last August, like just recently, not too long ago. Yeah. Dang. So, how how old are your kids? Nine and 12. Yeah. A fellow Army veteran that we both know, Olivia Nunn was talking about in an episode that I recorded with her about kids. One of the things that she mentioned was that she, as a company commander, she didn't have kids. She wasn't a mother at that time and did have a couple of females who were pregnant or were mothers. And she said once she did have kids and she looked back on that time frame, that she wishes that she had a little bit more grace towards those female soldiers than she had as a company commander. Yep. But she didn't have... Yeah, you don't get it till you have your own. No, you don't. I didn't. I was much more empathetic and a better leader after children, for sure, I think. Yeah. It's doable. I mean, you can do an army career and be a mom, but you you have to have realistic expectations about the amount of time you're going to spend with your children and how much time the army gets 
Like it's a lot. <laughs> it is a whole lot. Well, how do you do that when, I mean, well, one, just how do you do that? But especially when both of you were, because y'all were both active duty, right? So how do you balance um, a professional career in the military and be a parent? Well, I think it's interesting that we ask women this question, right? Like, why are we, like, like we don't ask them that. How do you, how do you balance being a dad and being a soldier? You know, and I think it comes down to, like, there's certain societal norms and expectations of women that differ. And at the end of the day, my husband is very much a 50-50 partner in this. We are, we both took our parenting as a team sport. It wasn't me being the the primary. It was always like he did his share, I did my share, and we worked together. And neither of us put. Okay, this is great, actually, question because some leaders, always male, uh, would say, "Well, at some point, one of you has to put their career ahead of the other person." No, you're a freaking idiot because your wife stays at home and takes care of your kids, and you're. Your construct of how families operate is so 1950s. Like, get out of my face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People would say that shit to Tiffany. I would get so pissed off. I'm like, really? Why? Because their idea of how a family should work is that there's one parent who does like the prime. No, my husband and I did 50 50. And when we couldn't do that, we had a family member, usually one of our parents, and we had no pair. So we had no pair do all the carting around to soccer games and picking up, you know, from dance and, you know, helping with homework. And yeah, is that kind of cheating? I don't know. It worked for us. But I just, oh, it just made me so mad when they were like, one of you is going to have to put each other, the other one's great. No, we didn't. We never had to do that. We never had to say yours is more important than mine right now. We both, we would just outsource and like leverage, a leverage like, you know, a village, like, you know, they say it takes a village. We would just, okay, mom, can you come stay for a month? Like, I'm going to be TDY and Caitlin's got to work and they come help us out. We were fortunate to have that. When you were talking about TDY and having the kids taken care of, I was thinking about deployments. It's not uncommon for a couple to be deployed at the same time or coming and going while the other one is coming and going. With you having five or six deployments under your belt, how did that work out for you guys? Having that transition where mom and dad are not both home at the same time. How did that work with the kids? Yeah, I mean, we have 11 deployments between the two of us. Oh, yeah. Dang. We were deployed at the same time four, four times. And then Kate and did two deployments where I was not deployed with him and I did one where I was not deployed with him. Yeah. I mean, we have almost eight years in Afghanistan and Iraq together. So <laughs> not together, but like cumulative. Yeah. I am so glad I was not married or have kids while I was in the military. Well, that's not the only reason why. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't have kids or married even now. Um, but I digress. <laughs> so, you know, I admire those who are both serving in the military. I just, I can't imagine what that's like. The man, and to still be married after you both have retired from the military. 
that's what's up. I'm just saying. Well, I think it's it's hard for anyone in any profession to be married anymore. I mean, marriage is not as sacred as it used to be, right? I mean, people are getting forced left and right. It's not the same. I mean, we used to be like, oh, we've been married 50 years, 40 years. So you'd be like, whoa. And now people don't even, like, get married. They just cohabitate. Yeah, they cohabitate or get married a bunch of times. It's like they treat their spouse like a car. They get tired of the old model, and they want to trade it in for a new model. They want to get their upgrade. Okay, this this husband's old. I need a new one now. Let me get somebody else. Peace out, baby. <laughs> it's been real. Hey, tell you what. I know this guy. We've been married for, you know, three years. He's a keeper for somebody else. So how about I give you him and you show me the next best thing on this lot and we'll be good to go. You're so funny. You joined the army. You were like 17 or something, 17, 18 when you joined, right? Yeah. So why did you join the military? Um, I wanted to go to college. My parents couldn't afford college. And um, I was in a small town in Ohio, and I just wanted to kind of see the world, get out of, you know, where I was from. I mean, it's a nice little town and all, but I just wanted to bigger, better things. And um, it seemed like a good opportunity. I wish I could say it was because I was super patriotic. I mean, I was. I had my my grandpa, my grandma, my other grandpa. Like, they served, but my parents didn't serve. So it wasn't like I had like direct contact with a a military uh, member or veteran. I mean, my grandpa kind of told me a little bit, but like not a lot. My grandma definitely didn't talk about it that much until after I was in. So, um, yeah, that's not nothing glamorous. Just. It was supposed to be a short-term thing. It was supposed to just be like a four-year, hey, I'm going to do this for four years, go to college, and then do something else, and that that didn't transpire. So here I am. Like you, I intended on only being in for four years, see the world a little bit, figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. But apparently it took me more than those four years. I added 20 years to that, and I still don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yep. Now, for me, I started off on active duty and then went into the reserves. But you did kind of the opposite, right? You started off in the National Guard and then went active duty. Is that correct? Yeah, I was enlisted in the Guard. And then I did ROTC um, while I was in the Guard. And ended up taking a scholarship and then getting uh, my commission uh, active duty as a quartermaster officer. So, yeah, it was like a little bit of a journey. When you were enlisted, were you quartermaster also? Yeah, I was 19 Yankee. Mm-hmm. So I went from E1 to O5 over the span of my career. And yeah, I was an E3 twice, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, I got one of those stories too. I was an E4 twice. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I think it builds character. It builds character. You must have been an outstanding leader because uh, mm-hmm. I think some of the best leaders are the ones that were prom- promoted to a certain rank more than once. You joined the military because you wanted to go to college. 
you do the National Guard, you get your degree, you become a commissioned officer, you meet this guy when you're in processing, get married, have kids, and retired. Well, I didn't know what the heck I was going to do when I got out of the Army. Um, you know, people kind of push you to do kind of something that aligns with what you did when you were in the Army, like logistics or blah, blah, blah. I worked for Soldier for Life, so... But I ended up um, going on a, a trip to Vegas, because that's where you go to find yourself, right? No, it was actually literally to go learn about cloud, the cloud, and like text, IT, tech stuff, cyber stuff. Because I thought that I wanted to be a cloud practitioner, and I thought I wanted to work for Amazon Web Services. Um, so I was going to go there and learn, maybe get my credentials at some point. I wasn't really sure. Anyway... Long story short, I realized really quickly at that conference that I was not going to ever be an IT nerd cloud person. I also realized that I loved comedy. I loved um, consuming comedy. I loved performing comedy. I loved making people laugh. And I started thinking about how powerful humor and laughter is. Then um, fast forward, I ended up taking this comedy boot camp class through the Armed Services Arts Partnership, um, which is ASAPASAP.org. A little plug there. Um, it was free. It's free to veterans, military affiliated, and I loved it. Really, at that point, I became addicted to performing comedy just for my own mental health, just as a creative outlet. You know, I had no ambitions to do it full time or anything, but it really weighed on me um, that, well, somebody asked, it was actually another podcast, somebody said, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And instantly I said, I would want to heal people. And healing is weird because, like, I don't want to be a nurse or a doctor. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And as I thought about it, it just kind of came to me. I don't know. It just sort of did. And so I ended up taking an, another job after I left the Army, doing something else for a while. I worked for the Military Women's Memorial. And um, that was wonderful. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. But I realized, like, I don't know, that's great. But my real passion was still comedy. So I started Best Medicine Brigade um, at the beginning of this year. So it's only a few months in the making, but... That's going all right. I think like bringing levity to any situation is just uplifting. We are so serious in the military, especially officers. Ugh. Um, my last couple. Of I years, think we I call that a, special. Yeah, you know, they were special, right? I had a couple <laughs> people I worked with for sort of the end of my career that I don't think were born with a sense of humor whatsoever. Um, but God bless them. Um, there's a place in the world for everyone, even them. Um, but yeah, I just realized that it was something that was part of me the whole time. It's always been part of me, but I, I had to suppress it. I felt it didn't fit into what the army valued as far as qualities and skills and actually, you know, it, I just didn't feel I could be my true authentic self for the longest time because I am a, I am such a jokester. I always have my head like somewhere in the creative space. I did not feel that I could leverage that or include that as part of my leadership. I always say persona or whatever. And so I just being able to connect back with that made me feel like Robin again. Um, it was just so liberating. And honestly, we, a lot of times we, when you're in leadership, you're always watched. You're always listened to. You have to watch everything that comes out of your mouth, everything you do and say. But finally, for once, I could just speak freely and not get too snapped about what anybody else said. 
I didn't have to talk the talking points or the party line. I could just say whatever. Now, of course, there's always consequences. I'm mindful that, you know, obviously things could hurt people. Like, clearly, whatever Chris Rock said, offended Will Smith. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that. When somebody has served in the military for any length of time, especially as long as you did on active duty, it's a process. And I don't think people realize what that transition is, how long it takes to to go from the mindset of being Lieutenant Colonel Johnson uh, to being Robin that can freely speak however it is that you want to. What what was that like for you? How long did that take for you? Or is it still a process you're going through? No, I, it's been two years. I'm I'm fully, fully Robin now. It was a process. It took me about a year. It took me about a year. And there's probably some people like my father-in-law who would say, I still got army on me. I mean, he still thinks I act very army, very organized, very precise. I'm a good time manager. Um, I, I don't relax as easy as some people here in the South would like me to. But um I yeah, I definitely feel like I've embraced myself outside of the army. And I don't miss it. Oh my gosh, I don't miss the army. Everyone says, Oh, you're gonna miss it. Bullshit. No, you're not gonna miss it. Look, when you're ready, you're ready. And they're like, you're gonna miss the people. No, I don't. I enjoyed my time serving with soldiers and serving soldiers. I love I have memories. I have great but I, I'm still in touch with so many people. It's not like they disappeared. I mean, I'm still in touch with so many people. I still see a lot of my army friends regularly. So, no, I, I don't miss it. And I have a new purpose. So a lot of people say, well, you're going to miss the sense of purpose. Best Medicine Brigade is my purpose. And I'm bringing, you know, heal, the applied and therapeutic use of humor to help heal people in a very clinical way. Um, I just finished my certified humor professional level one training through the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Um, so I'm doing it. So it's not like I miss, I don't know. I just feel very happy and very content. Well, I mean, we were 17. I mean, what the heck did we know about who, what our purpose was or who we are? I mean, at 17, seriously. So yeah, the army does kind of tell you. Here's your purpose in life. You're this, this, this. You're going to lead soldier. You're going to do this. So, yeah, but like, I honestly couldn't tell you what my purpose was at 17. I mean, I have, I have no idea. All I know is I have a really bad tattoo that I got in the IT. That's about it. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm living my dream job. Um, I'm getting to perform comedy, produce comedy shows, talk to people about how humor and comedy can help and mental health. It's amazing. It's really fun. And um, and then my kids, I get to spend a lot more time with them as well. You know, I think it's great what you said about not missing the military because you're connected with people. I think, I think for me, I feel the same way. I don't miss the military, 
I definitely am grateful for the time that I spent in the army, but the, and now I can move on and it's, it's still a piece of me because I spent so much time in it. But what I, the one thing I do miss is a sense of camaraderie. And I think that's where we have to get connected with like-minded people or the, just the veteran community um, and be plugged in that way. But I, I miss the camaraderie. Is that something that you feel like you have in connecting with people? In comedy. I mean, comedy is its own little group. So ASAP, the Armed Services Arts Partnership, is a whole group of veteran and military-affiliated comedians. So spouses, dependents, is what I mean. Um, more like a family. I mean, that really became my camaraderie. And then from there, just being in the comedy scene, I mean, even here, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, there's, you just become part of the comedy scene and that, that's my family. I mean, I consider a lot of the female comedians in the scene, my sisters and the guys in the scene, my brothers, you know, I've got big brothers, I've got little brothers and some are just like the same age or something. I don't know. But you know what I mean? I have people I look up to. I mean, like Alex Scott last night, my headliner on my show, he's a big brother to me. I mean, he has taught me a lot. Dwayne White, another headlining comedian out of D.C., he is a big brother to me. Um, his wife, Imka, is like a sister to me. Um, you know, it's just there's so many people here. And honestly, it's a very friendly, for the most part, and it's a very friendly and welcoming group. Every once in a while, you're going to get turds. We get turds in the military, too. There's always that one, you know. Um, you know, there's people who are jealous or... You know, they're not going to like you no matter what. But those are few and far between. And generally, we're a family. Like, we look out for each other. I mean, even last night, I lost my phone last night for like an hour and a half. And I had three comedians trying to help me find it. <laughs> so, they, you know, people just look out for each other. So is humor something that's always been part of your life? Or is that something that you feel like has developed later on? Well, I think I've always had a sense of humor. Um, there are pretty funny people in my family. My uncle Steve was really funny. And my mom always had a good sense of humor. We we grew up watching a lot of things like funny or sitcoms. You know, I remember trying to sneak and listen to the Tonight Show and watch Johnny Carson like when I was supposed to be in bed. Um, I remember my mom watching Carol Burnett and working Mindy Robin Williams was a big influence for me. Um, so I think I've always had it, but again, when I joined the army, I just did not think that it fit with the army and what the army was asking me to do and be, I suppressed it so deeply that it was hard to find it again. And that's why I say like, it was so healing for me during my transition out of the military to, to connect with my humor because it was refreshing to feel that again. It was just like, Oh, there she is. Oh, like she's funny. <laughs> yeah, so it was good. My mouth, you know, like I kind of knew Especially towards the end, I just had, I'm, I'm like, being witty is not appreciated. I'm witty, but sometimes, especially because I had several bosses at the end of my uh, career that had zero humor, I would say stuff and they didn't think it was funny or didn't pick up on the joke. And there was a, there would be this awkward silence. It just was uncomfortable. And, and that honestly, that was also one of the reasons why I knew I was ready to leave, not just the kids and the work life balance stuff. But when I looked at so many leaders and saw how few of them were funny and laughed, I didn't want to be them. 
I couldn't imagine myself being them one day and I didn't want to be like them. Because when I was a younger author, I would look up to leaders and go, oh, I want to be just like them. I want to emulate them. Like, I can't wait to be like them. And then as I got more senior, I realized I don't want to be like these people at all. They're not fun to be around. Like, I don't want to, like, they're just not my kind of people. Sure, they're good at what they do. And I respect, you know, their abilities. But I just know (laughs) I don't want to be like them. Thank you. And have a nice day. (laughs) 